Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Or perhaps you could be in on the action since a couple thousand fans seem to be in the stadium for most games. I think one of the cool things you could bet on this year is will a team like the Steelers go undefeated? Beating the Ravens this week was a big sign, so big step in the right direction for them. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It literally never closes. So head on over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome to this week's Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt. He's Larry. And I think uh, sooner rather than later, it sounds like we're going to have some basketball to talk about. The NBA draft is actually next week or two weeks from now, excuse me, recording this on Thursday afternoon. And... Larry, it sounds like the NBA will be back on December 22nd. It seems more likely than not. What do you think about that choice? Hey, I'm, I'm excited about it. You know, I think that there are a number of teams, a number of guys that obviously have been off for an extremely long time um, and just hoping that they give some concessions for, you know, the two teams that finished last. I mean, I, they just they just finished their season. So, you know, hopefully, you know, everybody comes to a happy medium. You know, we get basketball back, man. That's what it's all about. Yeah, exactly. It gives us a lot less time that that we've got to do free agency coverage, though. So I know the front offices are going to be busy, and that'll give us some some good stuff to track for the fan base. So one of the things that we've been talking about a lot is the need to add some some defensive minded centers to the to the Wizards' current core. Uh, I personally am a, a fan of Thomas Bryant. I think healthy and with some more reps and and some additional coaching and film study and all that stuff, I actually think he'll be pretty good defensively. Maybe not great, but they could still use a veteran presence. So today I think we want to run down some names and then we'll have a guest for the second half of the show to talk about one of those names in particular. So I'm just going to throw a couple of names at you. I've seen these ranked in different places. Uh, the ones I have here, I think, were the Hoops Hype uh, Free Agent Center rankings. So we can just kind of run down the list and, and let me know what you think about them overall, but specifically what you think about them for the Wizards. So first first name here, Montrez Harrell, averaged almost 19 points a game and seven rebounds last year. Only made about $6 million, but I got to imagine he's in line for uh, a pretty big uh, jump in salary. So it may not work anyway, but, but what do you think about Harrell for the Wizards? Oh, well, I, I like what he's done. You know, I like how he's matured his game into, you know, understanding what his game is. And that's rebound the basketball, hustling, being ultra aggressive, being more aggressive uh, than your opponent. And he's using that to his advantage, right? I mean, he's not a guy that's going to be, you know, one of these bigger guys that's going to stretch the floor uh, and create plays or create angles for, for his teammates. But he is a guy that you can rely on uh, that he's not going to get outworked uh, by his opponent. And when you're going into games, man, and you're, you're building a situation, I think that that's, a, you know, something that's very strong to rely on, right? Knowing that somebody's going to be there every step of the way, not just with production like he produced last year, but also uh, with attitude. You know, I think that that can go a long way with the team that's, that's growing and developing. You know, there were certain matchups last year where the team had to go a little bigger and in, in big spots, like uh, and play Zubats and, and people like that. So, that would worry me a little bit about investing that much money in somebody if he was only going to be situational and you already have a situational guy in, in Thomas Bryant. Yeah, man, what we talked about this before is, is, you know, when is the right time to cash in, mm-hmm. you know, because teams are trying to build. If you go to a situation uh, where they're pieces away and they're trying to build, you know, those expected dollars may not be there, but the opportunity to win and produce 
Uh, and again, raise your value is, is always there. So it's really going to be a mindset, you know, because just because a guy was making that six and he had this huge production, if that guy is going into a different situation uh, where they're building and, and building players around, uh, it's, you know, it's tough to go in and, and get everything that you, you know, that you want uh, in a situation like that. Good segue to a guy who has already gotten the bag at some point in his career, Andre Drummond, put up 17 and 15, which it, looking at right now is actually a lot more than I realized. Um, pretty good from a statistical standpoint, but made 28 million or 27 million last year and actually has a player option for 28 million. If I had to guess, I would assume he probably picks that up. Uh, but but if he doesn't, you know, maybe he takes more years at less money, and that does put him in the Wizards' price range. Uh, what about what about Drummond? I think I, I like Drummond. I think in the climate of where we're at, you know, guys are would be not very smart to to leave any dollars on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, he's a guy that needs a winning situation, right? He's been in enough. You know, I can produce. I can put up huge numbers in a situation that it's not really meaningful. Obviously, that can get you paid because the production is there. But then we talk about the next phase of, of being a professional, and that's winning consistently and being a consistent presence uh, night in and night out. And I think that he would benefit for sure uh, in a situation where he's able to to be ex- expected to win a game, right, as opposed to we're going into this thing knowing that we probably are not going to win. I think a guy like, like Drummond is going to benefit from a situation where he's is now expected to be more consistent and maybe it's not, uh, you know, 17 and 15, right? I mean, maybe it's in, in the space where he's complimenting and being a voice, you know, on, on the backside of, of a defense and, and on the offensive side, uh, he's, he's looks to be a good passer. He looks to be a good ball handler. And I'm just hoping that he can get to a situation where obviously you want to build and win and him having the opportunity to get into a situation specifically like Washington, man, it's, it's, you got you have your money. You have good players that are there, and they're trying to build. I, I like it. Yeah, I think the fit makes a lot of sense. I think he instantly becomes the best, like you know, lob threat that Wall has ever had, and, and them in the pick and roll is is pretty scary. But it's, it's going to be a money thing for them. You know, he might sort of price himself out of their range. But I, I'm totally with you. This next person, I think the same sort of stuff applies to. He, you know, he might also be a little a little too expensive and. It's questionable whether or not you call him a center. He'd give you a little four or five versatility, but Serge Ibaka put up about 15 and eight last year. Shot almost 40% from three, which, which you know, gives the Wizards the kind of shooting they're looking for, but um, you know, is also has some rim protection, you know, maybe not as much as he did in the OKC days, but made 23 million last year. Again, getting a little older. He's won a ring. You know, maybe he wants that sort of last longer term deal and, and would sacrifice, you know, the, the millions per year a little bit to, to be in that ballpark. Yeah, that's just the thing, you know, with the Wizards, obviously, you have to be careful with, with bringing those guys in that are could be entering, you know, the twilight mm-hmm. of their career. Right. And that's what we've talked about before is making sure that we get uh, someone that is, you know, on the on the way up as as opposed to being on the decline. But I also like Serge in a way that supports the team off the court. Yeah, um, We talk about being a winner, talking about being in winning environments, talking about being a champion. Those are things that, you know, the guys in their twilight career or the in, entering into their twilight uh, years of their career can really support a team that, that's really growing. He has some on-court value for sure, shooting the basketball, rim protecting. Uh, looks like he's done a great job of taking care of his body. Uh, so that's a, a name that that is really good, and I would, you know, obviously take a deeper look at how long can he actually go, right? Or how, how long do you think he can play at at the le- the level that you need him to attract more wins, but also to attract more players? Yeah, I feel like if they found themselves in a situation to get Ibaka, it'd be like they're willing to offer him an extra year that most other teams aren't, and then you get yourself in into that sort of trouble. So that that would be my hesitation. I don't know if this next person is like technically retiring or not in, in his teammate, Mark Gasol. I saw something about him wanting to sign with a Spanish team or did sign with a Spanish team. So I don't know if he intends to come back and keep playing in the NBA or, or what the deal was, but he was considered a free agent center. 
I would say Mark has definitely passed his prime at this point, but maybe if you could get him cheaply enough, he'd be, uh, you know, he'd be an adult in the room. He, he has, you know, good passing to set other guys up, pretty solid defensively still, but, but not your probably every night starter at this point in his career. Yeah, and I think that's the deal is, is I watched Mark, obviously, in, in the restart, and he struggled. Yeah. Right. I mean, he, he struggled. Maybe that's the, because of the ramp up, you know, but the pace of the game is only going up. The number of possessions that these teams have is only going up. So that's going to make these bigger guys, you know, get into more transition and have to take more trips up and down the court. So, again, you know, understanding the entire picture of the guys that you want to bring in. Yes, he's a quality guy. And yes, uh, the name obviously rings bells and, and, but you just have to be careful with the positioning of these guys and, and you know where they are in, in their careers. Yeah, I, I totally am with you there. That that would be one I probably wouldn't want to see them consider unless we got sort of to the tail end of our options and, and still needed somebody. The next couple of guys on this list are are relatively close to those other guys in terms of statistical production, but but are set to make, you know, 10 plus million dollars less per year. So I, I think this is probably the the Wizards' wheelhouse at this point. You have guys like Derek Favors, uh, Aaron Baines. You know, solid double double ish guys. Um, you know, maybe Baines stretches the floor a little bit more than Favors does, but maybe Favors is a, a better rebounder. You know, little give and take there. But uh, Favors made sixteen million last year. I can't imagine him making that again this year. Baines made only five and a half. That's probably right in the Wizards' sweet spot. Is that like five-ish up to the mid-level exception at nine? Uh, either of those guys stand out to you? Uh, Baines, I think, is is a name that stands out um, just because of his ability again to stretch the floor a, a little bit, right? And he seems to be a smart defensive player when you talk about the backside of, of the defense of, of directing traffic uh, with the number of switches and the number of slips uh, that the NBA is, is, is running now. So that name would, would stick out more. I think Favors is a guy that when you talk about that old school basketball, when you got to drop it down to the block, you know, he can obviously work. There's a guy that, that I would say uh, needs the ball on the block more as opposed to being that guy that's going to stretch the defense out and, it's all relative. We're talking about offense and defense because if we're going to lean more uh, to the offensive capabilities just because that's where the, the game is going. But a, a, a guy that has that much size is a value to you um, if you can bring him in for the right price. The, the last guy I want to talk to you about here before we pivot to a, one particular name is, is Tristan Thompson. That's somebody that you heard a, a decent amount of you know rumors to the Wizards around the, the trade deadline. Another guy made about 18, 19 million last year. I would imagine he makes a little less, um, you know, 12 and 10, not a traditional like rim protector shot blocker in the way some of these other guys are. But I, I do think he makes your defense better positioning activity, just getting the ball off the glass, I think would help the Wizards a lot. And he's not like crazy foul prone, which I think everyone else on the Wizards are. What do you think about Tristan? I think that name fits in well. Uh, again, somebody that's coming from the understanding of winning, right? I mean, they didn't have success last year, but the understanding of winning, I think, is very, very key to the name that you bring into or the names that you bring into the organization at this point because you're trying to now, you know, turn that corner on on winning basketball games. So you have to make sure that those guys that are coming in have that thought process and are not just coming uh, as a stop or coming to to earn earn a check, you have they have to be geared towards winning. And I like that name because he's a guy that again we talk about bigger guys. He can switch and guard multiple positions. Uh, he has decent lateral quickness, uh, but also he's a nice sized body with long arms. And I think when you talk about the the amount of switches again, just the ability to have your hands in the passing lane is is very is very big. Yeah, I think he gives you that right blend, you know, of guys like he, he's smart enough in the role game. He's used to doing it with LeBron. He can rebound. Like you said, he can slide his feet on the perimeter. Again, not the traditional shot blocker, but he's also enough of a deterrent for guys. So if the price is right, I think that's a name you're going to hear a, a lot more about over the next month or however long uh, free agency actually lasts. So uh, one more big name on this list we want to talk about is 
Uh, Hassan Whiteside played in Portland this year. Everybody probably knows him from his Miami Heat days. We're going to have a guest come in who's actually Hassan's high school, or technically prep school basketball coach, friend of mine. So he volunteered to come on and tell us a little bit about what Hassan is like and how the fit might be. So after the little mini break here, you'll hear uh, Scotland prep basketball coach Chris Cheney. All right, folks, we're back and joining us right now is the head coach of Scotland campus in Scotland, Pennsylvania. Uh, They're a top five perennially top five prep school in the country. Uh, Chris Cheney. Chris is a good friend of mine, so appreciate him coming on. Chris is the youngest coach of any age or youngest coach at any level to over 800 wins, multiple time prep national champion, multiple time national coach of the year for prep school, sent over 140 guys to Division One. About 20 former players of yours have played in the NBA. And uh, Chris Sports Illustrated called your 40-0 Laurenburg Institute team the best pre-college team of all time. So thanks for coming on to join us here. No, I appreciate you guys having us. The big name we wanted to talk to you about here is a former player of yours, Hassan Whiteside. He spent the last year in Portland. And prior to that, uh, you know, the majority of his major NBA years came for the Miami Heat. What do you think about uh, Hassan Whiteside as a name that, that makes sense for the Wizards? Uh, I definitely think he's going to be – obviously, I haven't really watched the free agent market right yet, but obviously for centers, I, I would think he would be one of the top guys out there. I mean, he's – I was looking up his stats earlier today, and the last well, last six years he's played, he's averaged a double-double every game. I mean, every year, and also he's averaging close, I think, 27 minutes per game played, but averaging about 14, 12, and two and a half blocks a game. And for for that 27 minutes, that's that's pretty good. So, again, I think obviously the game has changed a lot, and the big guys aren't as used as much as possible as they used to be, but you never know. The game could change again. And, and again, he's, he's a shot blocker and there's not too many shot blockers in the NBA right now. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Um, You know, one of the the comments about Whiteside is, are those, are those stats empty production? Do they lead to winning or are they just empty calorie numbers? I guess Uh, any comment on that? I mean, again, numbers are numbers, but at the end of the day, he is a very competitive guy. And a lot of people, I think, label him just because he's kind of a jokester and stuff like that and immature at times. But he, he likes to win. I mean, he and then people don't realize he, he wants to be on a winner. He wants to be a part of something. And, and again, I think he's learned playing, especially like this year, playing with a more veteran type team with guys like Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and guys that kind of help guide them a little bit more. And again, being part of a Miami program for five years, I mean, obviously uh, he didn't stay five years just because of his good looks. So, I mean, he's definitely, uh, I think he definitely can help a team win. And I think it's just as always, it's finding the right place for him. Yeah, I, I I like Hassan. I, mean, I think his you know his production is is what it is, uh, and it depends a lot on his situation and who are the guys around him. What's the you know the winning percentage of the team that he's playing on? I think he gets more he gets motivated uh, when he has the opportunity to win, and you know like a lot of us, I don't think he takes losing well. And for him to mature and to understand that you have to do your job night in and night out. I think it was a benefit to him uh, to play in Portland uh, with a guy like Dame, who who gives that energy off of, of this is how we're going to battle, this is how we're going to fight. I think that that's going to be an advantage to, to Hassan, you know, even moving forward, uh, whether he stays in Portland or whether he, you know, takes his talent elsewhere. But I do agree that production is what it is when you're talking about the environment in, in which it's created, right? If you're in, a, in if you're in a winning environment and you're producing, you know you have to give a lot of credit to that. Whatever you know, even if you see things that may not look right, if you're in a winning environment and you are producing at the rate that he's producing, you would have to call a guy like that a quality center in this league, and that's just what it is. That's my opinion. 
And and that and then Larry made obviously great points. And one of the thing is when he got drafted, he got drafted by the Kings, and that was the exact wrong spot for him, especially at at his age, and not having veterans there. And and then you saw what happened when he got to Miami. Hey, he was around the right culture, the right guys doing it the right way, and and you saw the the stats. I mean, at the end of the day, he he I mean produced and. Again, he's led the league in blocks two different years. He's led the league in rebounding one year. He was on all defensive teams. So, I mean, there's a lot of lot of things that, uh, I mean, you can call them empty stats, but at the end of the day, that's he's, he's proven it. So this is a question I do want to ask is, is how was Hassan as a, as a teammate when, when you had him? He was a great teammate, and I mean, I have a lot of great stories on him because actually, the year the year before he came to me, my I was at the Patterson Patterson School in Lenore, North Carolina, and um, the year before he came, we actually played his team and beat him by fifty seven points, and he was only about six four, six five, and. Um, he had a growth spurt that year to about 6'11". And I always teased him. I said, well, if you can't beat him, you join him. And he uh, always, and I always made fun of him saying, hey, we beat your team by 57 points. He said, no, coach, is only 56. So, again, he had a great sense of humor. But he was always, always in the gym. I mean, always in the gym. So he took – and he had kind of guard – concept feels because he he had that growth spurt so I mean I was very impressed with him as a teammate he always wanted to win he didn't need the ball in his hands all the time and and he was a finisher and then the the best thing about him was we had a lot of college coaches come on campus of course early on and they were like well who do you like who you like and I was like well you should take a look at this kid right here and they watch them. They watched them. They're like, ah, ah, that's not what we really need. I said, okay. So say, the same coaches came back in January, February, and said, who is that new guy you got? I said, well, no, no, that's the same guy you said we didn't like. And they were like, oh, we like him now. I said, well, 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 a little bit too late for that. But now nah, he, uh, I, I, I love coaching Hassan, and, and again. He had that winning attitude, and he took losing, not just in the basketball, but like in drills and and things to that nature. And, and again, people don't see that side of him. They see him joking around on whatever and Instagrams, Twitter, whatever, and so they don't they don't see that side of him. But he he definitely is a competitor. You heard a little bit about some stuff behind the scenes in Miami about maybe he was a little unhappy at the playing time and things like that. Why do you think that situation just sort of didn't didn't work out uh, longer term? I mean, I remember the one year where he got hurt, and then when he came back, he, I guess he didn't get as many minutes and stuff like that. So I think he thought he had earned it, and again, it's part of the business and all that kind of stuff. But he, I mean. At the end of the day, he just really has got to figure out he wants to be part of something. And, he, and, and he's got to have the right mindset to be where he needs to be. And, and if he's not totally engaged in it, I can see him not being, hey, I, I should be playing. I should be doing all that stuff. So it, it's a tough situation. And, again, sometimes it's probably his fault. But on the other hand, I think it's like Larry said earlier, he just got to get to the right spot. And you can say that about a lot of guys, but especially a guy like Hassan. Larry, you've talked a lot about, you know, just there's always two sides to a story too. And, and the heat have a very particular way of doing things. So I think it's a little tough to label a guy based on, you know, one half of one side of a story, but by all accounts, he was a good fit uh, in Portland, and and I think Dame Lillard, you know, suffers no fools and and had nice things to say. What what do you think about the translation from the Portland backcourt to the Wizards' backcourt? I mean, it's a very good one. You know, I think it's a very good one, especially when you talk about quality of play. And when you're a free agent or you're a player of quality, you're always looking for you know quality of play and quality of players. 
And anytime you have to leave one situation, you want to obviously transition to another situation where you have quality of play and quality of players. So, you know, specifically for Washington, when you talk about the two guard sort of offense, you know, that that's led by, you know, the, the two guards, you think about Dame and CJ, you pretty much have that same sort of relationship with Brad um, and, and with uh, John. So that for me, would he could take a look at that situation and say, okay, I play with two dominant guards uh, in Portland. Uh, what would that look like if I play with two dominant guards in the DC area, keeping in mind the fact that even when I was in Portland and we were winning games and I was happy, I wasn't necessarily maybe the offensive threat that I wanted to be. And we were able to make this sort of run and I was able to get this sort of attention because of the things that I did on the other end of the court. I think now his mentality is, you know, if I can get with those two guys, continue to do my role, obviously win in an organization that hasn't been winning. And then you talk about the Eastern conference when the door is wide open and you can have more eyeballs on you the the longer that you play. I think it's a realistic situation for a free agent, uh, especially when you look at, you know, apples to apples, you know, from a, you know, from a team makeup. Them being closer to home too. I mean, he's, he's originally from Gastonia, North Carolina. So, um, being closer to home and and his dad lives in New Jersey and all that kind of stuff. So I think being back on the East Coast might be something that he would definitely like. And I think the difference between Wall and, and Lillard is Wall is a little bit more about setting other guys up. And there's been a, a quote with the Wizards about how he spoon-fed uh, Gortat all those years. But Whiteside would instantly still be the probably the best uh, lob threat that the walls had. We talked about that a little bit with Drummond earlier, but Chris, how do you see that working out between, between those two and an NBA pick and roll situation? No, there's no doubt that John wall would give him a lot of easy baskets. And so, I mean, that's no doubt. And obviously everybody's going to be focused on wall and deal. So, I mean, there's no doubt that's going to help him out, but I think especially on the defensive end, Washington really hasn't had that, defensive presence and I think he would make up for a lot of a lot of stuff that might be happening on the perimeter to to help those guys out yeah I, I agree I think that that's where the focus is at obviously you want to have it's an offensive game but with a guy like that that can change your game drastically on the defensive end with rebounding the basketball and protecting the rim you you want to get him those offensive touches you're going to have conversations about those offensive touches but at the same time, I mean, you're going to give him five pats on the back as opposed to one, you know, for blocking shots and rebounding. And if he gets that lob, you know, hey, you, you get one pat on the back. So I think the value for, for that sort of situation, that sort of big, small pick and roll is – or big, small play is really for, you know, is for the defensive end for sure. No doubt. No doubt. And, and you've got a young center in, in Thomas Bryan and, and even Mo Wagner really – uh, Chris, what do you think about him as a guy to potentially mentor those guys and, and hopefully, you know, hopefully help them get better on the defensive end? Do you see him having that kind of personality? Yeah, to do I, that? Think it'll be, I definitely think it'll be great for them. And plus, uh, for Washington's sake, I think it will give give them different looks. So when obviously Wagner's in, it will give offensively a different look, uh, defensively a different look. Same thing with Bryant, and and again, Bryant probably can play. Both of them probably can play also some forward too. So there's no doubt. Um, again, at, at this stage, uh, Washington's going to have to to take their next step. They're going to have to get a, some type of identity on the defensive end because they're not going to be able to just outscore teams all the time, especially when you obviously get to the playoffs and stuff like that. I haven't checked the numbers at all on this, but but Washington was one of the worst teams in foul rate last year. And for somebody like Whiteside, I don't think he's particularly, you know, foul prone or foul crazy, but he played, like you said, you know, 25 plus minutes. And as long as the guy's, you know, keeping that semi in check over that 25 minutes, I think that allows him to to be productive and impactful for them that, that entire time. No, I agree. I agree. And again, that's, and people put the minutes in just because, again, it's obviously everybody knows it's a long season and all that kind of stuff. And with injuries and stuff like that, you got to keep the guys fresh as much as possible. 
Yeah, I'm gonna agree. With, I'm gonna agree with Coach, man. I think that the the mindset of of you know how the Wizards are being built and understanding that this is an offensive game, uh, but those that find a defensive identity are the ones that, the teams that are going to be successful. And when you can find those quality players, quality young guys uh, that really understand that role of of how do I affect the defensive end so we can get into transition on the offensive end, you know I think that that's a very important uh, deal for those guys to figure out. If I were a good, well-prepared show host, I would have looked this part up in uh, in advance. One important stat is his age. I, I think he's around 30, right? So, I mean, that that actually seems to fit well yeah. with the Wall Beal timeline. Yeah, he only spent one year in Marshall. Um, had a, Obviously, led the NCAA in blocks that year, was all uh, freshman of the year in Conference USA, was all uh, – defense defense player of the year in conference USA so he he was still a young young pup when he came out so it kind of happened really quick thanks for the insight there Chris that, that was really good and hopefully that'll give uh, Wizards fans a, a slightly different perspective on him because the reaction's been kind of mixed you know some people are all about it and he's the guy and other people it's well you know you heard some stuff in Miami so hopefully that that gives people a little more of a, a complete picture if, if that's a name they look into just want to pivot a little bit into uh, another guy you have actually coached against and seen, uh, you know, progress and develop and, and Obi Toppin. Uh, tell us a little bit about your, your backstory with Obi there. Yeah, we played against Obi a couple times. And again, he, you could, I mean, it's easy for me to say this now, but I, I definitely thought he was a very talented kid and, and I didn't think he was going to be a lottery pick of course, but he he just kept getting better and better. And I remember after we beat him one game, I actually sat down and talked to him for about five minutes. And I was, I'm really close with the Mount Zion coaches. And I was telling them how impressed I was of him as a person. And he was mature, mature back then. And you can just tell that he's just, I mean, I think he's going to be a really good NBA player. I mean, he can play several different, different positions and again a guy that's that's doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time a guy that's a super athlete the guy that can guard different positions so there's a lot of positives to him no doubt and I'm not I'm not surprised what he did last year Dayton especially with the veteran veteran team they had yeah yeah coach you know so I work with you know young players you know from kindergarten you know all, all the way up you know and just a, a couple of questions that I, I I wanted to get from you is that when you also you know with your record that you have obviously you're you have a good eye for talent right so what are some of the things that you look for in a prospect right if you I know a bunch of coaches are calling you trying to pick your brain but what are some of the things that you look at to, to gauge, you know, what, what a prospect is going to do? I mean, one thing that we we're big, we're big on here is, I mean, our big, big identity at Scotland campus is IQ and toughness. And obviously today's game has changed a lot, but we always talk about how we're different than, than most programs. And, and if you watch us play, we're, we play unselfish, we play hard, we, we play the right way. And too many kids nowadays don't do that and they're not hold accountable. And, and I think, I think we, we trying to get those guys that have hey that, that extra heart, that extra desire to be the best they can possibly be. And, and, and we, we bring the culture of the work ethic and, and not taking plays off and things of that nature. And, and again, I, we're, we're really worried about the kids that, that, that get it. And you know what I'm talking about when I say that. And a lot of these kids don't get it right now. And and the great thing about our situation here is they're in a isolated situation where they can just focus on what they need to focus on and 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 build those everyday habits. And too many too many kids worry about the stuff they can't control and worry about the crossing over and being on baller's life and all that fun stuff when they should be worried about, Hey, do I know how to play? Am I making the right play at the right time? And that's, that's basically what we teach on a daily basis. And I, I got, the, I get this question from a, a few parents uh, also is talking about the prep space and, and what, you know, prep school means and what, 
you know, kind of where that factors in with high school basketball, AAU basketball. And from your vantage point, what what are the what are the kids chase? Well, I'm like to call them kids. What are what are the young people chasing in in your opinion, in your idea? Would it be the competition? Would it be the coaching? Or would it be the exposure? Or is it a combination of, of all three? I definitely think it's a combination of all of them. I mean, the great thing about prep school is you're living away from home. You're playing for a new coach. You're playing in a new system. Guess what? When you go to college, you're living away from home. You're playing for a new coach. You're playing in a new system. So got, kind of getting used to that right away because most kids talking to a lot of college coaches now, when they walk in as freshmen, they're not ready. And the good prep schools, they're ready before. And we talk about to our guys all the time, when you step on that campus, that first impression's got to be big time. I mean, it's hard to get rid of a reputation after you do it the first time. So I think that's very important. And again, just breaking the habits and stuff like that. But we, we've, we haven't had here at Scotland, we haven't had a lot of top 100 guys. We actually got our first one this year, but we've had 30 Division One players in five years, and only eight of the 30 had Division One offers before they got here. So we, we, we had kids that, that were good, but they were missing something here, missing something there, maybe weren't in the right situation. And then, again, build that culture, build that work ethic, and you never know what can happen. You mentioned that top 100 player this year. You have Brandon Huntley Hatfield, who's uh, top 10 in the ESPN rankings, already getting some buzz as a potential lottery pick in a couple of years. How do you how do you help uh, you know that guy mature and, and develop and make sure he actually you know gets to where people project he'll be? Yeah, I mean I, the good thing is I've known Brandon for a couple of years, and 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 obviously he play he plays for B Mays Elite and Bobby Mays has done a great job and Bobby played for me back in, back in the day at the Patterson school, the same place Hassan played at. So he's kind of like family to me already. And, and, but potential wise, I mean, he's, he's big time. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, he's got things you can't teach. He's got a man's body already. Um, but again, it's, it's getting him to, to not take possessions off. It's getting him to, understand the little parts of the game and and the good thing about brandon is he can shoot it he's got good feel for the game he knows he's actually a really good passer he just got to get tougher defensively he's got to get just know who he is and again and at the end of the day i think he's already improved in these first couple months but i i only can imagine after the season's over yeah, I, I know Brandon well. Probably known him since maybe sixth grade or so. So, first question is: Is he going to stay in the twenty twenty two class, or is he going to go to the twenty one class? Ah, uh, good question. Have no answer to that right now. So he, it's a uh, we we've just. I mean, Bobby actually was here last week, and we we talked about it, and and just trying to feel what's the best for him. And again, for his long term, obviously. And and again, I, I think, like I told Bobby, I, I think he'll be good no matter what. But, and he's been, again, he was at IMG before us. So, I mean, he's lived away from home. And so he's been in great programs and stuff like that. So, but he, he's still a baby. I mean, he just turned 17 uh, a couple months ago. So, I think we'll, we're going to play the wait and, wait and see game with that. But, Again, at the end of the day, we're just trying to get him better every day. Yeah, we, we definitely wish him much success over on this side. My son played with him a couple of years back uh, in the B-Maze uh, program as well. Uh, so definitely know that kid and want him to be super successful. So good luck uh, yeah. pushing him through. No problem, no problem. Uh, Chris, the last one I want to throw at you here real quick. Um, one of your teams in the Maryland area that, that some of our listeners is – as DC Metro basketball fans will remember, was the the Newport Academy team where you had guys like Demar Johnson, uh, James White, Rodney White, Lewis Bullock, guys like that. 
there's a book that came out recently, the capital of basketball talking about DC basketball and, and you guys feature pretty prominently in there in, in the later years. What's it like being back in the area and, and coaching or close to the area at least and, and coaching some names again? Yeah, it's amazing when I go back to the area, like I bear, I mean, the main guys I obviously know really well, but a lot of people, they're like, who are you? All that kind of stuff in Newport. I've never heard of it. So it, it shows I haven't really coached back in the area since uh, 99. So uh, it's definitely changed. And again, there's Keith Stevens who runs team takeover was my assistant coach for six years. Um, so me and him are family. Uh, Steve Turner was my assistant coach. He's the head coach of Gonzaga. He's done a great job in that conference. Um, still know a lot of those AAU guys. So again, it's it's good to be closer to home and stuff like that. But in my opinion, the late 90s in the DC area was loaded. I mean, it was the, I mean, you had McDonald's all Americans all over the place. And my one Newport team, we had three NBA guys on that one team. And I mean, Rodney White was a lottery pick. James White uh, became a McDonald's all American. Jamison Brewer played in the league for like 10 years. Um, and then we had some other really good players on that team. Victor Samnick played at Georgetown, TJ Thompson, George Washington. I mean, just it kept going on and on and on. So it was it was really, I mean, those were great days because of the competition. And back then you had DeMatha, St. John's Prospect Hall. I mean, so so many good players in the area. Last thing and then then we'll get you out of here. And I mean it for real this time. Uh this past season you had Terrell Strickland, uh that Last name will sound familiar to folks. Uh, he's the son of a former Wizards guard, Rod Strickland. What was it like having Rod around the program? What kind of player uh, is Terrell? He's going to be going locally to, to JMU, James Madison. So folks here will get a chance to see him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Terrell came to us, and it, it, was, it, was, it goes back to B. Mays. I was, we were trying to get Terrell. I mean, a couple college coaches told, told Rod to, hey, you should send him to Scott LeCant's campus it'd be a great spot for him and then I think they were out at maybe the NBA Summer League Rod Strickland and Bobby Mays were sitting next to each other and Rod's like yeah I'm trying to figure out where my son's gonna go to prep school it might go to this Scotland campus and Bobby Mays is like that's my coach he said you gotta go to Scotland campus so they called me on three-way really quick and say oh it's done it's done he's coming he's coming so Terrell, first day he was here, sprained his ankle really bad, out for two months. And I'm worried. I think we have a pretty good team. And I'm like, we just don't have a point guard. I said, I said I'm said, i worried about the point guard position. And I've never seen Terrell play. And I knew he, he had no Division One or Division Two offer. So I said, he can't be that good. So he came back probably mid-November, wasn't playing much. He actually, I found the story out. He called his dad right before Chris, I mean, right before Christmas break and said, Dad, I'm not playing. I don't know what to do. Should I transfer? What What should I do? And Rod told him, uh, Terrell, sounds like your problem, not mine. So exactly what, what he should say. Then second semester, that light turned on, and we couldn't take him off the court. I mean, he ended up... It, and our other point guard started playing really good, and our weakest position became maybe our best position. And I mean, Terrell led us to uh, 40 wins, and, and we 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 did a lot of great stuff with him. And I'm definitely proud of him because, again, when he when he's at James Madison now, if he's fighting through playing time. Guess what? He's been through it. He's ready for whatever comes to him. But he's a great kid, and, and Rod was was the best. And it's a guy that easily that's, could that's use his great. leverage and experience, too, I mean, to try to. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. And Rod came to a lot of games and very supportive of the program and, and talked. He said this is exactly, exactly. I remember when he picked him up to go home at the end, he said this is exactly what he needed. And Rod, Rod went to Oak Hill himself. He was the first great player at Oak Hill. 
So we just have to convince all the, the other parents, you know, that didn't play in the NBA or, or play professional sports to be like, like a guy like Rod, right? Let, let the kid deal with it. You know, if you need extra backup, then call me. But other than that, man, man, you handle your business. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we, we all know, how, I, I know, you know how the parents are nowadays. So it's, it's, uh, it's a tough, tough out there right now. Is that ever tough for you to want to like impart stuff like that? But it's not like I'm not coming across as the the former NBA guy. I'm just, you know, dad trying to deliver a message and stuff. Yes, it's just really you just use all the information that you've all the experiences that you've gotten up to that point. Right. Because, you know, that adversity is adversity is right around the corner from any situation. So you don't want to sugarcoat or, or try to, you know, pacify any situation, because if you do it that time, then five minutes later, you have to do it again. So with me, like my experience has taught me, like, once you get into the fire and it's a must that you advocate for yourself. And then that's what we push to, to my, you know, my kids who's playing college basketball and to kids that I've talked to and have conversations with, it's just like, if you can't advocate for yourself, then you, you're going to lose your spot you know, at every turn, you know, which is adversity. Hope all the parents and, and youngsters out there are, are taking notes. So uh, <laughs> I, Chris is uh, just full disclosure. Chris is my, uh, my doubles partner on the tennis court, Larry. And, and he's, he's a, a tough coach on that one too. I, uh, there's nothing, there's nothing but tough love when, when we're out on the tennis court too. So uh <laughs> remember a match we were playing together and I was terrible and I go up to him I say Chris what am I doing wrong he goes I don't know just stop playing like shit (laughs) right what am I doing wrong everything (laughs) sometimes tough love's got to be there sometimes tough love you got to keep it simple sometimes too so Chris thanks for joining us really appreciate it thanks for passing on the insight there I hope people keep that in mind when they you know they talk about free agents for the Wizards and you know, maybe uh, maybe that's a name we see in a, a Wizards uniform here pretty soon. No, I'd be it'd be great to see, and and again, I think it would definitely bring that defensive presence and and what they need. So, I guess we'll see soon enough. But I appreciate I appreciate you and Larry having me on on. It's great seeing you again, Larry, and and definitely uh, always watching you guys. Appreciate it. Man. Sure, keep keep doing what you're doing, Coach. Man, getting those guys an opportunity to be successful. Uh, in the next phase of life, I mean, it's very important that they have that that bridge and that space to go and mature uh, before they obviously step on these campuses and they become, you know, real, real adults uh, in the in the business game of basketball. No, I appreciate you guys and, and definitely keep, keep it up. Keep the good work up. All right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that interview there. A little different perspective this week, trying to hit all angles of the game, but also somebody that's got a lot of ties to the the D.C. area and could give us a little little different insight there. You know, Larry, there were a couple other uh, names on that that free agent list. People like Dwight Howard, Nerlens Noel, Myers Leonard, Anise Cantor. It's just my personal opinion that they need to go up uh, maybe a notch from there in terms of guys that could impact and at least have potential to be a starter. I just want to see what you felt about that. I agree. I agree. I think that you go for the quality of, of what that production that you feel is going to help benefit your team. Obviously you have to keep in mind the different names. Uh, there's a lot of things that factor into, especially with these guys being in the position that they're in uh, that you know, kind of that rebuilding space with quality players already on the roster. Now it's now about filling in quality names with quality production, uh, with the years to match up, uh, with the make sure that they have, you know, tread on those tires. Uh, because again, it's going to be a tough battle because you're not going to be expected to win early on, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it may take part of that season to win. So it's going to be important that the right names are there in place with some experiences uh, that continue to keep that ball rolling in a positive space. So just be very careful of, of the names uh, that, that go on that board. Couldn't agree more. Um, you know, hopefully they, they explore all their options and they have time to do that. That's the one thing I, I wonder about with this rush to get the season back is what that does to free agency and, and do teams panic just to get a name because they only have a month and, uh, this will be a real test for for Tommy Shepard, but so you know we like the job he's done so far, but but I think this will be uh, this is where we really see uh, 
you know, where he's at. Yeah, man, I think that rush is very real. And I think that the fan base should understand that rush uh, because, again, you have your train, you have your draft, you have your free agency, and you have your training camp, and then you have the start of the season. And just making sure that we all are aware that it is crunch time, you know, even before that, that clock starts. You know, you have one organization that they don't even have a coach right now. So, you know, as, as the, the Washington fan base understands that it is a, it is a quick push and to obviously be mindful of everything that's coming down the pipe, all the information, uh, because it is a different environment, a different situation on even how you can bring in your free agents, you know, making sure that they're healthy. There's a lot that's going to go into this round of free agency, uh, but just be prepared for it. And similar to, you know, your lockout season too, it's going to be tough to get all those guys to come together quickly and coalesce when you don't have off-season team building with these new guys and, and things like that. So it might be a little slow for, for things to come together. So it's tough, uh, especially with pro sports, but even in the D.C. area to, to urge patience. But I hope everybody, yeah, we'll, we'll keep that piece of it in mind. So, uh, all right, folks, we got a couple big interviews lined up over the next few weeks leading up uh, into the NBA draft on the 18th and free agency whenever that officially technically starts. So stay tuned and, and send us questions and all that good stuff. And if there are any prospects you want to talk about, you know, let us know and, and we'll make sure we, we hit them. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.